0: This is City Post Church. We're about three things. Build, equip, and send. All under the lordship of Jesus Christ. A small church plant in Fort Worth, Texas. Who decided to do things a little differently. Adoramos a Jesucristo. I love City Post because of the people. It's where I belong. We truly preach the word. I love City Post because of the community we've been able to build. To do ministry like Jesus. For light to push back darkness. This is City Post Podcast. If you all have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew 13 today, Matthew 13. If you guys want to go there. So as many of you guys know, I am a 90s baby. I'm a 90s kid. I grew up in the 90s. And um, one of the things that we did for fun was we collected baseball cards. Any baseball card collectors? Right? Y'all were like, no, Pokemon, fool. <laughs> no, no it's like baseball cards. What are those? <laughs> uh, there's apps now. So um, my church in, in Florida, there was a baseball card store across the street. So you had the baseball card store, you had a 7-Eleven, and then you had another little store that we called the Small Cow. Um, which was like a little drive up where they would like give you like you could order like Pepsis and snacks and probably drugs, but whatever. And then um, but we would always go to the 7-Eleven to play Street Fighter, too, because that's where it came out. 50 cents. I was so mad. Like, man, you die so fast. Uh, But then we would go to the baseball card shop to get cards. And I was a huge baseball card collector. And I remember, like, there was a guy at our church that owned a store. And he told me and my dad and my brother to go ahead and grab whatever we wanted. He's shutting it all down. Um, So I had this card. I had a a 1992 score Joe DiMaggio card. So go ahead and put that up there. Um, So this card, and I actually looked it up because I was, like, super, like, I I remembered it so well uh, because when I had it, Like, people at church were like, dude, that's incredible that you have this card. Now, it it wasn't in all that mint stuff, but I remember that card exactly. Now, here's what's even crazier than that. Um, This card, there's only like one of three of them. It's like in a set of score. um, But my card was autographed. So this card right here is worth $1,195 today. So that's like auction, you know, eBay type deal. But my card was a lot different because it had an autograph of Joe DiMaggio in the front. So hopefully if it wasn't bootleg, if it was real, it would be worth $2,275. I would have sold it like that, right? Uh, so y'all are probably thinking, well, Ricky, like, where's your cards? What happened to it? Well, when I found out the worth of my card, I remember going to the baseball card store. And I, I'll be honest, I got finessed. Um, I, I brought my card in. I thought it was worth 50 bucks. And the baseball card owner looked at me, and I was like, hey, what can I get for this? And, and I see, and I'm thinking about it now, you know, hindsight's 20-20, whatever. Um, the look on his face, he's like, oh. And he looks around, and he goes, I'll give you this whole set of cards for that one card. And in my mind, I'm like, score. So he gave me a set of 1992 Upper Deck, like the whole set of cards. And and he gets the card, he puts it in the plastic, and he immediately puts it under the glass. And I'm, like, leaving there like an idiot, like, I got a box of cards. And I go to the church, and I'm showing everybody. I'm so excited. I'm like, I got the whole set. I don't got to even buy packs no more. Now, this is 1992. This is, like, it doesn't have the King Griffey rookie card. There's nothing special about this thing. And I remember telling our youth, (laughs) I know, telling our youth, they're like, how'd you get that? And I was like, man, I traded my, I gave them my Joe DiMaggio card. When I said that, I almost, like, lost my life. They were like, you what? And I was like, yeah, it was like a, it was a you know, you're out, of, you're out of your mind. Why would you do that? And one of them, like, popped me in the side of the head. They were so, like, upset with me that I would do that. And, and the, the problem was, like, at that age, like, or at that time, I didn't understand the value of what I had in hand. I was like, what can I get out of this thing? You know, like, I got, I got all of this. And they're like, dude, that, with that card, you could probably buy 20 of those. And that dude finessed you for one. And I was like, uh, uh, we're not going to talk about that no more. It's erased. It's gone. It's erased from my memory. And what we're going to talk about today is Jesus does this parable where he talks about, like, man, the kingdom of God is like a treasure that somebody finds in a field. And when you, you, you understand the value of that treasure, you go home and you sell everything you have to buy that piece of land because you understand the value of what you just found. And it's a parable that a lot of us have heard in the past. But we're going to look at it within its context and kind of like what Christ is trying to teach us today. It's quick quick couple of verses. And then we'll be out of here. So look at verse uh, 44. So we're in Matthew 13, um, chapter 13, verses 44 through 46. And if you have your black Bibles, uh, it is on page 976. And this is what the word of the Lord has to say. I just lost it. Boom! there it is. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, He did it again, and then, in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your word. God, I pray that you teach us something today. Lord, everything that's happening in our lives, that we're able to just focus for a few moments on what you want to tell us and what your Holy Spirit wants to lead us in. So, Lord, thank you so much for all you do for us. In Jesus' name, we pray all these things. Amen. And Lord, help the Cowboys, because that was rough last week, right? That was rough, man. I was like, dude, North Crowley could have beat him, right? (laughs) Telling you, it was rough. Anyway, so back to this Uh, verse 40. So go and put verse 44 on on the screen. I want us to look at what Jesus is talking about, because remember, when Jesus uses parables, he's trying to show us something. He's trying to teach something to people and he's trying to reveal some things to the believers who are able to understand what he's saying. So we got to look at this in context. So some of us read this and we're like, he found a treasure in the field. Why did he just turn it in? Actually, nobody thinks that way. I would have kept it too, right? <laughs> so we got to look at what Jesus is trying to teach us here. Because when we look at why would somebody bury a treasure out in the field? That's, that's odd. Now, we think of this, and we're like, we don't do that, Rick. But you got to think in those days, hiding a treasure in the field, that, that was common in the Lord's Day. People did that with their money. So today, whenever you guys get a, a large... Amount of money or a large sum of money, what you end up doing is you put it in a savings account, uh, you put it in a bank, you, you put it in some real estate investments, some, some bonds, some securities, some stocks, uh, some casinos. I'm joking. All right, so you put it in all these things in order for them to hold your money and to maintain the value of that money. In those days, people that had a lot of money would put it into two things they would buy land. Or they would buy material things like gold. Um, So gold and silver, necklaces, uh, furniture, things like that to hold their value. They would carry that on their family from generation to generation. Or they would buy land. But if you had a lot of wealth, if you were really well off, you had the responsibility of doing something with all of the money and all of the, the wealth that you had. And what a lot of people would do is that they would actually go and bury it somewhere on their land. They would bury it somewhere on their property to hide it. And why do this? So whenever there was like a king or a kingdom would come and take over, you go and you hide it to make sure that if they did take over the land, you would know exactly where to go and go back and find your wealth. You know, there's there's this guy named Josephus. And I know like we've talked a little bit about him as well, but he wrote in one of his books. So when when um, when Jerusalem's temple was destroyed by Rome in 70 A.D., he had something a little excerpt and it said no small quantity of the riches that had been found in the city were still found among its ruins, a great deal of which the Romans dug up. But the greatest part was discovered by those who were captives, and so they carried it away. I mean, the gold and the silver and the rest of that most precious furniture which the Jews had and which the owners had treasured up underground against the uncertain fortunes of war. People would bury their wealth all the time, and we see this throughout history. We even see it in Hollywood. We see it in movies. Y'all remember Training Day? Right, like so training day, he goes and he taxes his, taxes his friend because he needs to go pay off the Russian mob. And where does that guy have all of his wealth hidden underground in his kitchen? Right, Lonzo goes and he just, anyway, you have to watch it. But he, he stores it. If you watch movies like Sicario, I mean, even like Narcos, all these, all these films, these guys that accumulate all this wealth and money, what do they do? They bury it underground. So this is like a normal thing. This is what people did. They buried what they had. And Jesus even uses this example in another parable in Matthew 25, where he talks about um, the, these, the lazy steward who dug in the ground his Lord's money rather than investing it or putting it to work. So, so this was a normal thing. And what this is kind of talking, the purpose of the story that Jesus is giving us is that true believers are willing to give up all that they have for the priceless, I mean, for the gospel, which is priceless. When you understand what Jesus has for you and what Jesus is, you're willing to sacrifice everything for him, like no question. So moving forward, I want to answer one other question with this parable that a lot of people bring up. Is it ethical? Because some people say, well, if the guy found the treasure in the field, wouldn't the right thing to do be to go tell the guy that owns the land that he found a treasure? So what do y'all think? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so this is really important for us to do because we have to cover this. Because if it is ethical, then Jesus is incorrect. And if Jesus is incorrect, then that means that he just made this up and he's not perfect. So it actually is ethical, because Jesus, remember, he lives, so he knows the law. He knows what examples to use. So is reporting this to the loan, I mean, the landowner ethical or not? And the truth is that they didn't have to do that. That's not what the Jewish uh, rabbi, rabbinical law says, so pretty much what the law states is that any object of value whose owner was unknown was found outdoors. So anything past the doorposts, if the owner doesn't claim it, whoever runs into it claims it and it's theirs. And that's exactly what the law says, states. So the treasure found in the field clearly did not belong to the landowner. Because if, he, if it belonged to him and he knew where it was, then he would have claimed it before he sold the land. You see, so Jesus understands the law. He knows the people he's talking to. He knows how important this is. And that's the point of the parable. A man found something with so much value that he sold everything he owned in order to attain it. He didn't just sell it, but he was so overjoyed and overwhelmed by the value that of his discovery that he was eager to surrender everything he had in order to gain the treasure. Now, what about verse 45? So Jesus stays on that same track, and he goes into verse 45. He goes again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls, that when he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had, and he bought it. So you guys know how, where per- pearls come from like the clams, the oysters. You, you bust those open. If you luck out, there's a pearl in it. Now think about this. Back in those days, when you would harvest pearls, you didn't have scuba gear. You didn't have oxygen tanks. You, you didn't have, like, there, there wasn't a system that we have today. So I looked at it. I was like, man, how did people go get pearls out in the sea? So this is fascinating. So what they would do is that, They would take the boat out, and the the lucky, I guess the guy that drew the shortest straw, he would jump in the water, and he would be tied with a bunch of rocks. So they would tie these, I know, either they would fill nets, or they would fill something with rocks or stones, and they would chunk it over, and it would quickly sink that person to the bottom of the sea, and he would get the clams or the oysters, fill it real quick, and when he was ready to come up for breath, he would have to cut the rope. So you better not drop that knife, right? Like, who would love that job? Not me. So the value wasn't in just what the item was, but the value was also in what it took to attain it. You see, that's what Jesus is getting at here, how this guy, this merchant, he found, he knows what it takes to get this this beautiful pearl. And when he found one, he went home and he sold everything. He's like, that's a what? What? Would you like a box of cards, right? I mean, like, he, he knew exactly what he was doing. Like, he, he knew exactly what he was doing. He sold everything. And, guys, that is exactly what the kingdom of God is like. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. And I think sometimes when we talk about this whole idea of surrendering things to Christ, like of letting things go, we think that we're losing something. But that's not how it works in the scriptures, Because when you follow Christ, you're not losing something. You're actually letting it go, and you're gaining something back. See, that's what I like to call kingdom economics. Whatever you give up of any value, Jesus will give back at even more value. So if I let go of something, I surrender something to Christ, then he's going to replace it with something of even higher value. So what's the highest value you can get? Man, you get him. That's that's the value that you have. You re, you replace whatever you give. So a lot of us think, Ah, oh, Ricky, I'm not ready to give those things up. No, it's a trade-off. It's not, I'm just going to give it away. You're trading off for something else. And that's the point of this. Um, anybody here play fantasy football? Yeah? So I remember, the, everybody's like, what's that? So... <laughs> The first year my brother introduced me to fantasy football was 2011. We were actually at Gabe's house, and we were sitting around the table, and he's like, we're doing our own fantasy football league. So for you guys that don't know what fantasy football is, it's pretty much there's a draft. You draft players. Based on how they perform on Sunday, you get points. Now, I'm looking around the table, and I'm like, I got these suckers, man. None of these cats know about football. Like, I know about football, man. So we start the draft, and my team is loaded. Now, this is 2011. So my quarterback is Cam Newton. So if y'all don't know, him, back in 2011, uh, man, he had an incredible, like, rookie season. Um, he ran out of gas now. But he had this awesome rookie season and, and did some amazing things. I had Stephen Smith. I also um, had uh, Rob Gronkowski. Like, my, like, man, my team was awesome. So I'm like, dude, I'm going to take everybody out. So as the fantasy football like started, and, and even I love my name, too. Mine was like the Goonie. <laughs> I was like, bro, like my name is just better than everybody else's, man. This is great. So the first game of the season starts, and I kill everybody. I mean, Cam Newton goes off on his first game. He gets almost like 400 yards, three touchdowns. Steven Smith like, goes off, like, everything is clicking, we're doing good, second game of the season starts, man, Rob Gronkowski goes off, like, I'm I'm beating everybody, I'm like, this is wonderful, but then the third and the fourth game of the season happens. Now, here was my problem, my defense was Tampa Bay, in 2011, Tampa Bay went 4-12, and they didn't do so good, not like last Sunday, they did good, no, this was like, they were, they were, like, worse. And I remember my brother looking at me, and he's like, Ricky, you got you to gotta, you gotta make some trades. He's like, you got to trade your defense. And I was like, "Nah, Tito, you don't know, man. Like, no, nah, I got this. I, this is Tampa Bay, man. they like, we won the Super Bowl in 2003, right? I mean, like, we know. And he's like, no, you got to make some trades, dude. You have to trade. If not, you're going to keep losing these points. And then Rob Gronkowski gets hurt. Stephen Smith is out for two weeks, and he's like, dude, you got to make the trade. If not, you're going to keep losing. And, of course, in my pride and my arrogance, I decide not to, and I get destroyed in fantasy football. (laughs) (laughs) I end up going from, like, the top of the food chain after the third week. By the seventh week, I was at the bottom, and it was because I didn't make the trade when it was supposed to. And you see, guys, that's exactly what it is. Listen, we live our lives, especially as believers, where we're living one way. And there's some brothers and sisters in here who have lived in the faith long enough where they're looking at you and they're like, you got to make that trade. Like, it's not going to work. you got to make the trade. you got to make the trade. Like, there's got to be a trade-off. It's not going to last. Like, that sexual relationship you're in, it's always fun in the beginning. But you better make that trade for the heavenly things because it's not going to last well. It's not going to end good materialistic stuff. Congratulations, you have a massive house. What was the expense of that? It's always good until it's not. And what Jesus is saying is like, man, you got to make the trade. The kingdom of heaven is so much more valuable than whatever you're holding on to and whatever you're seeking in this life. Make the trade. Or if not, it's going to run away from you. You're gonna miss out on so many things. What are we trading for? You know, as we look in scripture, it's so simple. Like it's so easy, it's hard. You know, like think about it. Like, what am I what am I losing? So I'm I'm trading sin for salvation, death for life, shame for security. I'm trading hell for heaven. I'm losing friends, but I'm gaining family. Chaos for peace, guilt and shame for freedom and honor. Like, all these things Christ is offering to us, and we're just like, no, 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 like, I, we, it's going to be fine. It's going to end well, and, and you got to make the trade. And that's what he's, he's trying to get us to understand, that there is a trade-off. Because whatever you give up at any value, Jesus will give it back to you in even more value. And why do we struggle to do this, and why do we struggle to understand this? Because this is not easy. It sounds great. You're like, yeah, like, why don't I? I don't want shame in my life. Yeah, but then why why do you keep living in it when God is saying there's something so much better for you here? So I want to look at this passage. Um, Go to Ezekiel. I know it's kind of a funky book. Ezekiel chapter 14. I just want to read a couple of verses here. Ezekiel 14 verses one through seven. Why is it so hard for us to shift the things that we love, the things we're holding on to? And God's like, man, make that trade for us. What, what, what's so difficult? So if you have the black by, we're on page 834. So look what it says. It says, some of the elders of Israel came to me and sat down in front of me. Then the word of the Lord came to me, son of man. These men have set up idols in their hearts and put wicked stumbling blocks before their faces. Should I let them inquire of me at all? Therefore speak to them and tell them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. When any of the Israelites set up idols in their hearts and put a wicked stumbling block before their faces and then go to the prophet, I, the Lord, will answer them myself in keeping with their great idolatry. I will do this to recapture their hearts of the people of Israel who have all deserted me for their idols. Verse 6. Therefore, say to the people of Israel, this is what the sovereign Lord says, repent, turn from your idols, and renounce all your detestable practices. Verse 7. When any of the Israelites or any foreigner residing in Israel separate themselves From me and set up idols in their hearts and put a wicked stumbling block before their faces, and then go to the prophet to inquire of me. I, the Lord, will answer them myself, and I will set my face against them and make them an example and a byword. I will remove them from my people. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Why is it so hard? Because a lot of things that God is asking us to give up and trade have become idols in our lives. There are things that we have put so high on a pedestal that we think that if we lose it, we're not going to be able to function without it. It's, It's going to ruin us. It's going to wreck us. But what God is trying to tell us here is like that thing that you think is going to ruin you and wreck you if you lose it. He's like, no, it's going to ruin and wreck my relationship with you because you have this idol that's blocking your heart from me. So it's actually flip side. So what you think it's going to be like, man, I'm not going to be able to function without this thing. I'm not going to be able to move. It's going to block things that, God, that, that, ha- that I have for myself. And God is saying, no, that thing that you don't want to let go is in the way of me getting, of you getting to know me more personally and me blessing your life. And it's got to go. So you have got to trade for that thing that is blocking you and ruin. And how do we do it? We just saw it in verse 7. You have to repent. That's been the message all the time that Jesus always says, repent, come to me. And then you find the treasure that is worth. And then you will find a treasure that is worth giving everything up for. And why do we need to repent? And why do we need to offer those idols up? Because God doesn't accept secondhand worship. Period. God, we got to understand who we are and we got to understand who God is. God does not accept our secondhand worship. So we have things in our lives that we're holding on a pedestal and we're not letting, we're not willing let to let, uh, we're not going to let that go. We're not willing to let that go. God is saying, I, I'm not going to accept your worship today. We have to deal with this first. First and foremost, we have got to deal with this idol that you have in your heart. And I need you to trade it. I have something so much better for you. So number one, we see that God does not accept secondhand worship. So we have these idols and we have these treasures that we think are so valuable standing in the way of our um, relationship with God. We got to get rid of that in order to truly have a great relationship with the Lord and to see him do some amazing things. And how do we do that? We repent. We go to him and then we'll find that treasure that's worth it. So, Ricky, if I, if I repent, how, how should how, like, I, like, I have so many mixed emotions about this. Well, look what the verse says. Sacrifice, well, number two, sacrifice should be motivated by delight. So you don't just repent. You don't just give it up to the Lord. You do it with joy because you understand what you're receiving on the flip side. I know this is kind of like, oh, Rick, this is hard. Why are you so happy about it? Well, because I've been there. (laughs) I know what it's like to give up something that I truly did not want to give to the Lord. To give up my plans, my dreams, the things I always wanted to do. And to say, Jesus, I'll do whatever you want me to do. But I did it with joy because I understand the value of the kingdom. So the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field. And then he says, And in his joy went and sold everything. So you give up your sacrifice with joy and delight, not with grudge, like a child. Because you understand what's coming. And the last thing is number three is the more that we understand the worth and value of the kingdom, the more we'd be willing to give things up. So maybe it's difficult for you to surrender some things in your life because you don't truly understand the value of the kingdom. So you're like, well, Ricky, I understand, like, I need to do this. Yes, but do you understand the value of what you're trying to attain here? Because if you understood the value, you would go home and give everything up to have that treasure in Christ. It would be such an Easy, easy thing to do. So just to kind of wrap things up here as we close,, um, I know when a lot of people travel, like let's say if you're going to go stay in a hotel, what a majority of us do is that we look at the reviews. right? Like you look out, is this a five-star review? Is it a three-star review? Two-star review? Because I know some of y'all are looking at me like, well, Ricky, like, ah, why should I surrender this thing? I get it. But, man, like, well, okay, well, well hold on a second. Let, let's, let's look at the reviews. So if I'm going to go stay at a hotel, I'm not going to look up Astro Inn <laughs> and probably see five stars across the board and be like, no, I'll probably see, like, one or two stars. I'm not going to look at one or two stars and be like, man, I'm going to go, I'm going to take my wife there. Negative Ghost Rider, right? And now trust me, I've stayed in some shady hotels, like where the paint's bubbling up and there's bugs and all that good stuff. But you look at the reviews in life. You look at the reviews. What are the reviews telling you? So what I want to do is I want to ask now. Now, I know that we're, a lot of us are quiet and real like reserved, But you guys that have been living for Christ for over like 10 or 20 years, let me ask you guys, would you do it all over again? This is where you answer. Would you do it all over again? All right, I'm going to ask you one more time, and I want you to like, come on, like, let me ask you something. Would you follow Jesus all over again? There's your review right there. You know what's even crazier? If you ask somebody who gave their life to Christ and they went through all of this mess and all this pain and all this sickness and they lost their family and they lost, and I were to ask them that question, would you do it all over again? They would give me an absolute yes. Not just a yes, but they would say, I wish I would have done it sooner. How many of you guys, now that you know Christ, can actually say, I wish I would have done this so much sooner? 100%. 100%. And I found, man, like if I had, if I lived a thousand lives, I would give it up a thousand more times. No change. There's your reviews right there. You're like, no, it's not just, re-. no, ask around. If you're, if you're contemplating it, ask people that, that have found that treasure. See what they tell you. The reviews are in. I would follow Jesus a hundred times more regardless of all the hardships of my life having Jesus is better than anything having that peace having that forgiveness having it all it's worth it it's worth it a hundredfold so let me ask you guys as we close what what what's that thing that you're you don't you haven't traded it for Like, what's that? There's something in your life that you're holding as a pedestal that you're like, "Ah, I can't let go of this. Well, let me just encourage you, because the reviews are in. You're missing out. Because the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. So let those who have ears, let them hear. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you so much because anything that you have to offer, Father, is worth more than anything that we have to sacrifice. So, Lord, we praise you. We thank you, God. And, Lord, I just pray for those who have not understood the value of knowing you, the value of your kingdom, the greatness of your kingdom, how amazing it is to live for you. Lord, I pray that your spirit continually work in their hearts and in their lives. So that way we're able to trade this treasure that we think we have for the real thing so lord if there's any idols in our lives or things that we we're putting in front of you i pray lord that you remove that right now so that way we're truly able to enter into a relationship with you and to know and accept you father jesus we thank you and we praise you lord and we are full of joy this morning because you have allowed us to grab a hold of this treasure So, Jesus, we pray all these things in your holy and righteous name. Amen. Let's worship together.